Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. Today, I'm so excited because we're going to talk about confidence, networking, and relationship building for mediators, all great topics. And I'm super excited for our guest, Stephanie Hanna, to join us on today's show. And here's a bit of information about Stephanie. Stephanie is an attorney, mediator, and professional development coach through her business, The Other 85, and co-host of the Capture Your Confidence podcast. Stephanie has been coaching attorneys and other professionals for the past decade, helping them navigate the profession, build their relationships, and develop their careers. Having been a prosecutor, judicial staff attorney, solo practitioner, magistrate, law firm associate, and now a mediator, Stephanie understands the dynamics at play in each environment and definitely knows what it takes to develop and maintain key relationships. So again, I'm so excited to have her on the show today. And with that, hey, Stephanie, thanks for being on the show and welcome to the Mediate.com podcast. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so this is going to be great fun. And so I'm so excited to talk about you know confidence, networking, and relationship building because, I mean, these are just things which are of vital importance, you know, especially for mediators, because, you know, how many of us are entrepreneurs, and we all know it's it's one thing to do the work, and then it's another thing to actually get the work, right? And so, yeah. you know, I, I know that these are areas that you are just, you know, super experienced in. And I've, I've heard you say that about 85% of career success comes from non-technical skills. I believe that's how you got the name for your business, right? Yes, that actually is how the, the other 85 came to be. Um, there's been a study done that has shown that 15% of job success comes from the hard technical things that we went to school for. And the rest of it, the other 85, comes from relationship building, networking, um, difficult conversations, communication skills. And that is what I work with people on. And that's how the other 85 got its name. Awesome. And I mean, that's totally the stuff that you really just don't learn in school, right? <laughs> I mean, you spend yeah. all these years in school learning the technical skills, and then to come to find out that that's just 15% of the success, right? And so, yeah. you know, I'm really excited to talk to you about confidence, because I think, I mean, that's just something that's really crucial. And, you know, as I think about confidence, I mean, I sort of think about it as it's like this certain it factor, right? I mean, it can be kind of hard to describe, but you know it when you see it. And so I'm really curious to get your perspective and your take. I mean, how is it that you define confidence? Yeah, so that's a great question. We started the Comp Capture Confidence podcast because we were noticing, and when I say we, I mean my co-host, Whitney Abraham and I, we are both coaches in very different areas, but we were noticing that that it factor that you talk about was missing sometimes. We could coach on all of these practical tips and tools and give you all the things, but there was still something that wasn't allowing people to take that forward action. And we realized that the it factor was confidence. And so there's a couple of ways that I define it, but the main two are confidence is really the series of small promises that you make yourself and keep over time. So the more promises that we make and keep over time, our confidence inherently increases. The pro promises that we make 
and don't keep over time, our confidence decreases. And this is something that's happening in the background all the time, right? There's no red flags. There's no announcements. You, you don't get an email that your confidence is going up or going down. It is something that's just continuously happening, right? We are making so many decisions and promises all the time. And it can be as simple as, you know, I am going to spend one hour this week on marketing my business, or I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early so that I can move my body, um, or I'm going to try and drink a half a gallon of water. Um, whatever it is, we make these kind of inner silent promises to ourselves all the time. And we don't say them out loud necessarily. And so it makes them safer, but our insides are counting, right? Like our heart and our mind know, and that's where confidence comes from is that keeping those quiet promises that you make to yourself, keeping those over time. Um, the other way that we define confidence, um, especially for people who have a little bit more of an analytical brain um, is a formula. And the confidence formula is positive self-talk plus action plus repetition equals confidence. And we spend a lot of time diving into cultivating positive self-talk and how we can start to make that a habit. Um, and then what I think is the most important piece of the formula is the action. Um, we've got to do something and then we've got to repeat it. Um, so we've got to say great things to ourselves. We've got to take a tiny step of action and then we've got to repeat it. Um, and when you do those things, you will find that your confidence starts to emerge a little bit more. And I love how you've broken that down into these bite-sized pieces. And so, I mean, it really seems like confidence then is something that you can learn. It's not necessarily something that you're just born with, right? It sounds like it's something that you can yeah. learn. Yeah, absolutely. It is a skill. It is a teachable skill. Um, and if you think that people who you believe have the it factor or who have confidence don't do any work on it, um, you're sadly mistaken, right? Maybe they just aren't highlighting it and publicly announcing it. But people who are good in this space, they do some sort of mindset work consistently. Um, it is absolutely a skill that you can learn. Um, and there are so many ways that you can kind of implement just very small tweaks over time that will get you the results that you're looking for. And I think too, what's really important in mindset work or confidence work is that consistency trumps skill or talent or character traits always, 100% of the time. Um, so the more consistent you are with it, even if they're very baby tiny steps, over time, you absolutely will see some results. And I love that. And, you know, the, the thought I was having as you were sharing that too is, I mean, it seems like this is something that really requires deliberate focus, deliberate practice, right? That it's something, it seems like more of like a use it or lose it skill. Like either you are continuing to develop and grow your confidence, or if you stop doing that positive action or, or positive self-talk and stop taking action and stop repeating that, then it seems like on the flip side, you could also lose confidence in something that you were once confident yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a muscle. Um, so a lot of times I will say, you know, come up with ways that you can consistently flex your confidence muscle. Um, because just like any other muscle in your body or your brain, you know, if you are working it out 
consistently, right, it's easier to get right back into it. It's when we take a break, when we slow down, we don't do it as much. You retain a little bit of it, but you're, it's not the same, right? You do over time start to lose it. And so it is something that you have to continually invest in. Um, and the other important thing I think to remember here is that confidence is not a destination. Um, like it's an evolving continuous journey. You don't just get there and arrive and then hang up your coat and go on with your life. Um, it is something that you have to continually know is part of your of your journey and your story. And when you know that there's no end destination or end goal, it makes it almost easier to commit to it because it's just part of who you are and part of what you do um, without a destination or an end goal in mind. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I really love how you're breaking this down in this formula too, because it seems like one of the challenges, you know, I imagine not just for mediators, but really any entrepreneur is, you know, how do you have confidence doing something that you've never done before, right? And it seems like with this formula, I mean, this would allow you to take baby steps at the beginning to grow your confidence over time. So I love that. Yeah. So I'm curious now that we've got this good framework in terms of confidence, you know, how does all of this relate to now networking and relationship building? So what's the sort of mindset that you need to have then to be good at networking and relationship building? Yeah, the two mindset shifts that I like to encourage people to think about are going from being a taker to being a giver. And I think this is especially useful for entrepreneurs or people trying to grow their business or their books of business is because a lot of times we approach relationships or networking opportunities as how do I get what I want, right? How do I get a job? How do I get an opportunity? How do I get a client? And when we do that, we are takers. We're just consistently looking to take something from someone else. But when we flip our mindset and try to be givers, we can start asking, how can I add value? to this person or this relationship or this organization? Um, what information do I have that would be helpful to you? How can I make your life a little bit easier? Um, and what science has showed us is that over time, when you do that consistent value add for other people, they want to work with you because they start to know, like, and trust you. And that's the secret formula. We've got to get people to know, like, and trust us. And once they do, they're with us, right? They're our super fans and they are with us for life. Um, we can mess up with our super fans and they don't care. They'll come back and work with us because they know, like, and trust us. And so as your relationship building and really working on just fundamental mindset shifts, paying attention to are you being a giver or taker in your relationships can really go a long way. The second mindset shift is Stop being so short-sighted and start thinking more long-term and long, uh, long-sighted and big picture. Um, how can we flip our mindset so that we know that just like with confidence, it's a journey, there is no destination. Same thing with this, there is no destination. So you can't like work really hard at it and then kind of coast and think it's everything is going to stay the same. Um, there is no end goal or end game, right? The idea is that you consistently get to a place where there's always work available for you because you're always building and maintaining relationships and you're not saying, I must get X amount of clients from 
this networking event or I need 10 business cards everywhere I go. Um, there's definitely places for metrics like that. And I think metrics are definitely necessary, especially in a business setting to help measure whether your efforts are successful. But in terms of true mindset, the fundamental has to be, hey, I'm in this for the long game. I am willing to invest my time and energy in helping others. Um, one, because it's the right thing to do. And two, because I know it's going to come back to me tenfold, because that's the type of energy that people like to work with. And that's the type of person that someone is, is going to stay top of mind and someone is going to know like, oh, if I have a problem or I have a dispute or I need a mediator, hey, I remember that, you know, this person was really approachable and easy to work with. And they've, you know, put me on their email list and reached out to me and asked how they could help me. So I'm going to go back and see if I can work with them. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, the thought I was having is because, uh, you know, we were we were chit chatting about our kids before I hit record is, you know, it's a lot like making friends, right? Like you don't you don't yeah. make your best friend in one day. And it seems like a lot like relationship building. I mean, this is something that that does take time, as you mentioned. And, you know, there there's got to be something in it for the other per person, not just yourself. Right. So I love those yeah. thoughts. Yeah, and think about times when you've been on the receiving end of a quick, cold ask. Like, that does not usually feel warm and fuzzy, nor does it really inspire you to take action. Um, the times that we make purchasing decisions are either from referrals from people who have said, hey, I know, like, and trust this person, and you know, like, and trust the person that's giving you the referral, so it's easier for you to accept it, or there's someone you know somehow, right? And oftentimes, they're not the best in the game. They're not the best in the industry. You don't even have that information, right? You don't know, you haven't compared their work product to all the other work products out there. You just know that you know, like, and trust them. And science shows us that that's good enough to make a buying decision. And, you know, I just wanna highlight that thought cause I felt like that was just a little like nugget of gold there is you don't have to be the best at what you're doing in order to get those clients, right? That goes back to yeah. what you said at the beginning that the technical skills really account for 15% and it's the other 85% which account for the rest. So, yeah. I mean, for all of us out there who've been, you know, spinning our wheels, just trying to think about how can I be better? How can I be the best? I guess that's a relief because you just, you don't have to be. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I can promise you, you don't need another mediator course. You need to go tell people you're a mediator, right? <laughs> and just start doing the work. Um, and I say that to whatever industry I'm in, right? Make sure you're certified and then move on. Go do the work. Um, that's the best way that you're going to get the experience and get to a place where you feel more competent and confident. It's not courses, you know, behind a computer screen. It's actually out there doing the work. Yeah, I feel like you've just helped me have a, a total like shift in awareness, Stephanie, because I'm totally one of those people <laughs> who's like, I'm going to sign up for the next course or I just need to read one more book yeah. about negotiation and psychology principles to incorporate. And yeah, this is yeah, this is like a whole new like shift in awareness for me. So I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, so let's talk a little bit more about networking and relationship building. I mean, one thing you hear from folks is, well, you know, I would be a better networker or relationship builder if I was more extroverted. I mean, do you have to be an extrovert in order to be good at relationship building and networking? No, I don't agree with that. You know, I know that that's a common 
kind of misconception. I think there's a lot of studies and science that show us that that's actually not the case. There are actually plenty of extroverts who are terrible relationship builders, right? Who don't put the work in, who don't have the right mindset. Um, just because it's easy for you to talk to people doesn't mean you are saying the right thing or being someone that people want to be around. Um, I think that is just a convenient thing that we can sometimes tell ourselves um, to make it easier to not have to do the work. Um, now, surely there are going to be parts of this that feel less icky to some people than others, right? Like there are parts of this that are going to come more naturally or you just happen to have more experience with. But I don't think that a certain character trait or personality type makes it necessarily easier to get the results you're looking for. Um, you may have to work harder at certain parts of this. Um, so I have had a client who was very much at the top of her game in terms of skill set and, um, you know, product output. But she was getting feedback that she just seemed very unfriendly um, and very unapproachable. And she worked with me because she was like, I don't like getting that feedback. I, you know, they say, oh, you know, your work product is great, but like, eh, we're kind of, you know, we don't know. Are you in a good mood, a bad mood? Like what's going on? Um, and we worked the whole time on how to come across more approachable and how to be some, someone that people, you know, want to interact with. And that was not her natural demeanor right? Apparently her natural demeanor was work hard, right? Not smile a lot, get the job done and knock it out of the park. But her client was like, that's awesome. We want that. We love that. But also like when we invite you to lunch, we want you to come, right? Or when we invite you to something, we want you to not be the first one to leave. Um, like we want to get to know you and we want, you know, we just want you to seem more approachable to the rest of the team. So they're not afraid to interact with you. Um, and that was really eye-opening for her because here she was focusing on the 15 and it was getting her great results, but it wasn't, you know, getting her client the results that they had hoped for in terms of having a true partner that they could interact with and communicate with without, you know, feeling any hesitation or any limits around that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the thought I was having is, and perhaps I'm curious about your take, maybe part of, you know, the other 85% is also just playing and having fun, right? Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's one thing to do the work, but then it's another thing to, you know, enjoy camaraderie with colleagues and have time to go out to lunch. And, you know, um, there's more than just doing the work, like you've mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you have to find time for that, whether you work for yourself or in an organization. Um, you know, I used to tell people pre-pandemic to spend 20 minutes a week just walking around your office, you know, walk and say hi to everyone on your floor or in your building or whatever. Um, you don't need to have an, an hour-long conversation. It's just a, hi, how are you? Um, and now that we're a little bit more in a virtual world, the same thing. You can drop people emails. You can schedule Zooms. You can try and meet up for coffee. Um, and even if the meeting doesn't happen, it's just the effort that gets stored in people's memory in terms of the no like, and trust. Um, you know, oh man, you reached out, you checked in on me, you wanted to see how I was doing. We were never able to get that coffee scheduled, but I still remember that you did that for me. Um, and I appreciate that. And that over time gets repaid very easily. And do you think, you know, now that, uh, you know, we're talking about, um, 
networking during a pandemic, I mean, do you think those efforts like sending an email, sending a text, maybe doing a quick Zoom chat, I mean, do you find that that has the same impact as, you know, the in-person meetings that we used to do before the pandemic? I do. And I think uh, another common misconception is I can't network because we're in a pandemic or I can't network because we're, you know, we work from home. Um, and, you know, that's not true. Um, I think if nothing else, for a lot of people, they now have 10 minutes to Zoom that they didn't necessarily have at the beginning of this um, or before this. Um, you know, and I think now, too, at the time that we're recording this, things are slowly starting to open up more and it's just starting to become more normal to kind of gauge your own comfort level with that. Um, but regardless of all that, even if you're a person that's very busy and just doesn't have time or has a life circumstance that doesn't allow you to happy hour or lunch or coffee, I think email and Zoom are incredibly effective. Um, the thing that usually holds people back is themselves, right, from making the first ask, not, you know, what's going on in the world. And, you know, the more that I think about it, I, I mean, that's probably an easier way if, if someone is not already engaged in activities to network and build relationships. I mean, frankly, hopping on a Zoom call or sending an email or a text message or something is probably an easier way to work it into your schedule, right? I mean, especially if we're talking about, you know, going back to um, the formula you mentioned for developing confidence, like taking those small actions, you know, doing something small could eventually lead to, you know, the, the bigger things like maybe an in-person event or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that's right on. So kind of to switch gears a little bit. Uh, so in prep for our recording today, I, I took a, a look at your website and I saw you had this really great video. And one of the things you were talking about was storytelling and building your brand. So I was really curious to get your take. I mean, how does that all relate to confidence and networking? Yeah, I think, you know, all of the things that we are talking about and that we have talked about are really kind of who you are and how you show up. And that's all part of your brand. And it follows you whether you work on it or not. And so it's always there. And even if you don't care about it or you don't think it's important, it's still there. And so I always like to tell people, you know, think of someone that you admire and then think of one or two character traits about that person that you admire. And those words, two parts of this are relevant here. Typically, those, one, those words are um, typically things like they're a great leader, they're a great listener, they're, you know, great to be around, they're easy to work with, they give good feedback. Um, very rarely does anybody ever say, well, they're the smartest person in the room always, and they get the answer right all the time. So one, that's always a great reminder for me that, you know, that's what we think of. We think of people's other 85 character traits. We don't think of their 15 character traits. Um, and then the other relevant part of that is those words and those character traits that is that person's whisper brand. And that's what other people are saying when they're not in the room. And that's what we mean by a whisper brand. Um, a great friend of mine, Reagan Walsh, she has an awesome book out called Heart Boss. And she's an executive coach. And she has kind of used this term whisper brand to mean what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. And I think that's very much your personal brand. And what your goal is with all of the things that we've been talking about is how do I make sure that the words that people are saying when they think about me are words that I want to be associated with myself. Um, a great trick that you can do is you can text five people that are closest to you 
and say, hey, can you just describe me in five words only, you know, five character traits only, and take a look at what you get back. Um, you'll be surprised. There's going to be a lot of overlap. Um, there might be some things on there that you don't want on there, um, some things that you're happy to see are on there, um, and that's your whisper brand. Um, and then as far as storytelling, I think it's really important to spend some time thinking about, like, what is your story? What is the legacy you want to leave? Like, what do you want people to know you for? And then start acting accordingly, right? Then start really, like, trying to shape your activities and your actions around those things. Um, and it can be the way that your business operates, the way that you develop client relationships, the way that you are active in the community. It can mean a whole host of things. Um, but I think it's just important to to be aware that your story, whether or not you are writing it, is being written for you. So you may as well grab control and start narrating your own story. Um, and then one last point on storytelling is to really try to incorporate that into the way that you communicate. Um, you know, a lot of people like to share, you know, either a whole lot of concrete data and information or a whole lot of fluff, in my opinion. Opinion, right and there has to be like a common a midway point right we want data and we want some storytelling um, and that typically is how people retain information the most right like we want a great story with a great um, point right a great lesson or something a great point that we're trying to make and that typically makes it more memorable um, so I think storytelling is woven through all of these things that we've talked about in a couple of different ways um, as well as as personal brand. And I think, you know, they're they're being written and they're happening for you, whether or not you care or want it to happen. So you may as well invest a little bit of time in learning how to take control of that narrative. Yeah, and this is very interesting. And, you know, I think the theme that I have picked up on, you know, throughout our chat today is really just the importance of being deliberate and the importance of taking ownership, right? I mean, you mentioned in terms of just, you know, the storytelling and your whisper brand. I mean, it seems like that's where there's really an opportunity to, to sort of reverse engineer what you want people to be saying about you and then be deliberate and going about taking those actions so that when people are talking about you, they're saying things that you would want them to be saying. So yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a little bit of strategy, but it goes a long way. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Stephanie, this has been such a great episode and very eye-opening. I think you gave us and our listeners a ton of really awesome takeaways. And, you know, I'm super thrilled that you were able to be on the show today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And I hope that your listeners found it a little helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, so how can others connect with you, learn more about what you want to do? Yeah. Or, or, or so I learn more a, about what you do, rather. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a website, theother85.net, um, where people can find me there. I try to be pretty active on LinkedIn, so just Stephanie Hanna. Um, and I am always happy to connect and learn more and see how I can be helpful. Um, the Other 85 does workshops and programming in person and virtual, um, coaching and small groups. And the Capture Your Confidence podcast is just a labor of love. And it, you can find it anywhere that you get um, podcasts. And Whitney and I, we are we have a handful of confidence workshops, um, how to get out of your own way, how to build your confidence. And we are happy to deliver those in person 
um, or virtually as well. So reach out if any of that um, feels right for you or your organization. And if you just want to connect, please do that as well. Well, awesome. Well, very cool. Well, thanks again, Stephanie. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.